how the New Orleans Saints can bounce back going up against the Dallas Cowboys on Thursday night while Mark Ingram's health trends up. Ryan Ramchek's availability looks to be trending down and three key performances from last Thursday night, good performances that you'd like to see repeat up against the Dallas Cowboys on Thursday night football. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks, as always, for making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, we're free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube as well. I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, Canal Street Chronicles, Locked On NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked On Saints. New Orleans Saints have an opportunity for their defense to rebound up against the Dallas Cowboys, but it's going to come down to repeating the first half performance that you saw up against the Buffalo Bills. So what went wrong for the New Orleans Saints in the second half, and how can they correct it going into Thursday night's game up against the Dallas Cowboys? This is what we're looking at to open up the show today, and we boiled this down to four specific points. The first of which is that the Bills took advantage in the second half of the New Orleans Saints' aggressive defense. This defense was riding high off of really, really good four-possession stretch to close out the first half. Two sacks, one of which stalled the drive, forced a punt. The other stalled a red zone drive, forced a field goal, and then two straight interceptions to end the first half for that Saints defense. They're riding high off of that. Coming back into the second half, though, you saw the uh, the, the Buffalo Bills just changed the way that they were playing the game, and it worked really, really well up against New Orleans Saints' aggressive defense that had a lot of confidence. And one of the things that they did that worked well against the Saints was that they took, aggr- they took advantage of that aggressiveness with play calls like play action, RPO, read options, misdirection, double moves on the outside by the receivers, things that made them second guess, things that took advantage of when those players were being aggressive. We saw play action impact the linebacking core as well as the wide receivers. You look, excuse me, as well as the cornerbacks and secondary, you look at the play in which um, Marshawn Lattimore slipped and fell and Dawson Knox had a big catch and run for a touchdown. That ended up being because of play action. He ended up biting down on the play action. Then his in his attempt to recover, we know that Marshall Lattimore has great recovery speed, particularly what would have been up against a tight end in that situation. Uh, but unfortunately, he slipped and was not able to recover. Gives up the big catch and run to Dawson Knox there. You look at RPO as well as read options. That gave the Saints a ton of trouble. There was one point to where they ran a read option to where if Josh Allen would have kept it, he would have gone up one gap. If he handed it off to uh, Matt Breida, he would have gone up the exact same gap, and the Saints still struggled with that because they keyed in on the wrong player, which in that case was Josh Allen, and Matt Breida was able to go up the exact same gap because the Saints were playing the player as opposed to playing the gaps and gap responsibility, things like that, and then that ended up still resulting in about six or seven rushing yards. Looking at double moves, you saw one early on in the fourth quarter uh, on a first in 10, Stephon Diggs getting free on Paulson Adebo, who has struggled against double moves. We saw it against Cordero Patterson late in a game. We saw it here against Stefan Diggs late in a game in the fourth quarter there. So this the, the Buffalo Bills putting together a lot of play calls that took advantage of the Saints' aggressiveness on defense. And the other thing, point number two here, is that the pass rush, although aggressive and impactful in the first half, was only aggressive in the second half. They weren't very impactful in the second half. You can look at two key plays where Carl Granderson was able to flush 
uh, Josh Allen out of the out of the pocket at one point, forcing him to run while Dawson Knox is actually wide open in the first half. He had split between Demario Davis and Quan Alexander, who passed him off in a cover one sort of coverage, and the the single high safety and Marcus Williams was on the opposite side of the field guarding something else already. And even his elite range wouldn't have been able to close the gap here as he and Dawson Knox would have been flowing to the same side of the field going in the same direction. Makes it very hard to catch up and gain uh, field in that case. And then you also saw another one in the red zone, Caden Ellis' sack, where Caden Ellis uh, peeled off to the outside, made it look like he was going to take the running back who was running a route out of the backfield. But really, Pete Werner was coming over the top to take that route. Meanwhile, Caden Ellis, once the left tackle ended up taking his attention from Ellis and then coming back to crash inside and double team on the inside, then Caden Ellis just came right after um, Josh Allen off of the edge. Because of that pressure, Josh Allen never saw Gabriel Davis wide open on the right side of the field. So you saw the pass rush impactful in the first half. You didn't see it as impactful in those situations in the second half, which then allowed those mistakes by the New Orleans Saints to become more costly in the second half, which is point number three. And the Bills were able to take advantage of that. Point number four being simply that the errors by the Buffalo Bills were less costly. You saw early errors in that first half. You saw the uh, miscommunication between Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. Josh Allen expected Stefan Diggs to break inside. He broke outside instead. That was Bradley Roby's interception. Then you saw the right tackle fold in pressure when it came to the pressure that was coming from Cam Jordan on the outside. This was the final possession, uh, final offensive possession for the Bills in the first half. Cam Jordan ends up hitting the arm of uh, Josh Allen, and Josh Allen ends up getting that ball out still, but it just kind of wobbles. It's a duck in the air. And then Quan Alexander was able to make a diving interception off of that. On the second half, you didn't really see those types of errors. And when there were errors, like when the Buffalo Bills called a screen pass that had nobody to throw the ball to over on the right, there was some mis or over on the left, there was some kind of miscommunication there. They came back around and were still able to throw a pass to Dawson Knox. He got into the end zone, but that was flagged for offensive pass interference. And so they ended up having to take that one back. But that was the big error of the second half for the Buffalo Bills. Very, very different, far less costly than the errors that you saw in the first half of the Bills. So what's the lesson to take here to bring into Thursday's game up against the Dallas Cowboys is that you can prepare for this because you know that the Dallas Cowboys are going to look at how it is that they take advantage of an aggressive New Orleans Saints defense, that they're going to want to run play action. They're going to want to run this offense through their run game. That might mean that they are impactful in the run game. It might not. It might just mean that they set things up so that they could take advantage of um, uh, play action looks later or RPO looks later and be able to utilize that as well as misdirection. Probably not going to see a lot of zone reads with Dak Prescott, but I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple, especially when you have these very good running backs, this tandem in Ezekiel Elliott, as well as Tony Pollard. So we'll see how they end up using that. But the Saints have to be ready for all of that. They have to find a way to be aggressive, but also be detail oriented enough that they're crashing the right gaps, that they're not fully biting in on those play actions and that they allow themselves the ability to recover, that they're playing with the depth that they need to play with over the middle of the field so that the crossing pattern issue doesn't end up resurfacing. Didn't see a ton of that up against Buffalo because Buffalo was able to attack on the outside. So the Saints have to re remain strong on the perimeter and find a way to get the depth that they need to be able to be impactful over the middle of the field in this one. So a lot of different ways that the Saints can be better. You'll see the zone read be less of a uh, less of a tool for the Dallas Cowboys and therefore impact the Saints defense a little bit less. So that inherently works in their favor. And if the New Orleans Saints offense can stay on the field and extend some drives, then all of a sudden the defense maybe doesn't get as gas in that pass rush. 
ends up continuing to be impactful for four quarters as opposed to just two. Remember, they are very, very thin on the defensive line. Ran a lot of plays last week with Caden Ellis at defensive end. Caden Ellis not looking like he's going to be playing, but it does look like the Saints are going to be getting at least one key piece back over on the offensive side and still some conversation around what's going on at quarterback. We'll update you and make sure you have everything that you need to know about that as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. The offense needs to be able to help this defense out. Are they going to be able to do that? That's what we're going to take a look at. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.ag. Right now, the line is holding the spread four and a half point underdog for the New Orleans Saints going into this Thursday night football matchup up against the Dallas Cowboys. With that, do you feel good about it? You want to try to grab that before it maybe closes up a little bit more, although I don't know if the line is going to close up more because Dallas Cowboys did get some good news today, which we'll be talking about in a moment. But when it comes down to it, if you like that or you like some of these other NFL matchups and other NFL spreads, or you can take a look at the NBA, NHL, uh, mixed martial arts. They've even got futures if you want to take a look at the MLB and look at end of year awards and some other things there. There's a ton going down and there's some fun prop bets that are going to be going down for each of these games as well, including Taysom Hill stats from his first start if he ends up having that starting game on a Thursday. So a ton of things you're going to be able to check out over at betonline.ag. And if you're a brand new customer going for the first time, make sure you use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for a 50% welcome bonus. That's at betonline.ag where the game starts. All right, Houdat Nation, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. Once again, I want to shout out our friends over at Locked on LSU and Locked on Pelicans. Make sure you're supporting all of our Louisiana sports shows here on the Locked on Podcast Network. Lots of great stuff going on with all the big news around both of those teams. And of course, some big news around this New Orleans Saints team as well. Let's start off with the quarterback spot before we dive into some of the other spots where the Saints Hopefully you're getting a little bit healthier, but then got some bad news as well. Uh, head coach Sean Payton, though, talking a bit about the quarterback position when he was asked who's going to be the starting quarterback. Of course, he played coy and mentioned that he's going to wait and see how things go on Wednesday before they name anything. So we'll see exactly how everything goes on today's practice and in today's practice report. But the expectation right now is that if Taysom Hill is healthy, that he will be the starting quarterback Thursday night up against the Dallas Cowboys at home in the Caesar Superdome. So the the reason why I highlight that is because, of course, there's some gamesmanship to this, but it does kind of give you a little bit of pause because what it is that makes Taysom Hill special is his ability to be able to run, run over, and run through defenders. And if the plantar fasciitis issue is still an issue for him, it might impact the play calling around him utilizing his legs, which you certainly hope is not the case because you don't want him limited to just being a pocket passer when what makes him special is what he adds to your team as a mobile quarterback. So ideally, Taysom Hill, who said himself that if he was given the opportunity, he could have played last night, Tuesday night. So he's obviously feeling pretty good and confident in uh, in his recovery, but certainly something to keep an eye out on for the New Orleans Saints and for New Orleans Saints fans. But I certainly expect the starting quarterback to be Taysom Hill at this time, but we'll see what happens when it comes to uh, Wednesday's practice report. As long as he can make it through practice healthy, that should be the case. All right, now let's take a look at the uh, other players around Taysom Hill. If he is the starting quarterback that he'll be getting back, 
And right now, it does look like, according to uh, a lot of reports, and of course, according to the injury report released by the New Orleans Saints, it really looks like Mark Ingram is going to be back for Thursday night. He was asked if he was going to be ready, and he said that he was ready like 23 times or something like that in response to the question. So he obviously feels like he's very ready. Mark Ingram has been active, or excuse me, has been um, in and full participant for practice both Monday and Tuesday. He was also present for Sunday, but remember, we didn't get an injury report for Sunday with it being over the weekend, but he is practicing full again and sounds like he is ready. His counterpart in the backfield, the Saints superstar running back and Alvin Kamara was limited both Monday and Tuesday. It seems to make sense that the New Orleans Saints would play it safe again with Alvin Kamara. I mean, look, running back injuries are never good. Running back knee injuries are never good. So no reason to really rush him back, especially if you're getting Mark Ingram back. That still gives you an opportunity. Mark Ingram, two games in a row as the lone starter. He ended up with over 100 total yards in those games. So he still should be able to contribute to you and your run game as well as your passing game, especially on a game to where you're going up against a Dallas Cowboys defense that's given up 4.4 yards per carry and has given up the 11th most, might be 13th most actually. Sorry, trying to do backwards math there. They're 19th in the NFL when it comes to rushing touchdowns given up. So that shouldn't mean that they've given up the 13th most touchdowns, but somebody check my math because I'm not the greatest. Um, unfortunately, though, the Saints might not be getting the help on the offensive line for their run game. Ryan Ramchick downgraded to did not participate on Wednesday's practice. Teron Armstead, uh, Tono Passanio, as well as Marcus Davenport all did not participate as well. So the trenches still thinning for the New Orleans Saints. Definitely something to keep an eye out on for how the Saints manage all of that. Last week, like we mentioned earlier, they turned to Caden Ellis on the defensive line to try to get him involved as an edge rusher, and he actually played pretty well. They got some good play out of Carl Granderson as well, but it just kept that rotation really, really thin over on the defensive side. And now you have Caden Ellis also not participating in practice with his hamstring injury. So do you go to Andrew Dowell, who's on his way back from the concussion, or do you go to maybe Quan Alexander and use him a little bit more as an edge rusher, which we did see the Saints do quite a bit in that game against Buffalo as well, particularly in the second half, which makes a ton of sense. So it'll be interesting to see how the Saints handle this, but it's not good news for them whatsoever. I mean, Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramchick both being out again severely limits you over on the offensive line. Having that lack of rotation on the defensive line severely limits you there. So uh, it, it's a big, big sort of obstacle for them to overcome. But if they can find a way to overcome it, then that would be um, excellent for them uh, on that Thursday night football game against the Dallas Cowboys, who did get some good news. They've been in you know, barraged by bad news. According to Jerry Jones, there might be one more player that's going to end up potentially popping up unavailable for Thursday night's game, but that player will not be Amari Cooper. According to reports, including Ed Werder, uh, the uh, star wide receiver is set to travel to New Orleans and is expected to play Thursday night up against the New Orleans Saints. So it's going to be a big task for the New Orleans Saints defensive backs, uh, some combination of Marshawn Lattimore and Paulson Adebo, who's also back at practice. Bradley Roby has really been stepping up over these last couple of games. He's really gotten into the flow of understanding the Saints defense. So expect he and Paulson Adebo to continue to rotate. But also Bradley Roby has been a really good option for you in the slot with CJ Gardner-Johnson out rotating him and PJ Williams, who they like to also use in those sort of two deep safety looks when they don't want to put uh, Malcolm Jenkins back there and they want to utilize him in the box. So lots of versatility for this New Orleans Saints defensive back room, but not the most consistency, particularly from uh, Marshawn Lattimore. Marshawn Lattimore has struggled quite a bit since week seven, and it continued up against Buffalo. 
And and it's it's going to be even tougher if he's going to be matching up with either CeeDee Lamb or uh, Amari Cooper. Maybe the Amari Cooper matchup is one that makes him rise to the occasion. He actually played well in coverage when it came to Stefan Diggs. There's just only so much you can do when Stefan Diggs runs that route that he ran on the big uh, touchdown in the first half there. What were you going to do in that situation? But uh, you know, Marshawn Lattimore is somebody that usually rises to the occasion up against these these top receivers, but we've seen over the past couple of weeks him not necessarily be able to do that. So we'll see. Uh, and we also don't know, right? Like this whole situation impacts players differently. So um, Amari Cooper coming back from, you know, positive tests and everything uh, as a player, it, it could end up impacting his performance. We don't know. So that could work into Marshawn Lattimore's favor, but all told, it's going to be a big time matchup to watch to see if Marshall Lattimore can get back on track and get back to being the assistant, the, excuse me, consistent uh, top cornerback that he is expected to be across the NFL. Now, they'll need a good performance out of him, but they're also going to need some good repeat performances from some players that actually perform quite well up against the Buffalo Bills. We'll highlight those players and why their performances matter up against the Dallas Cowboys as we continue and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints. But first, I get the opportunity here to tell you about our friends over at Built.com. In particular, Built Bar is my favorite protein bar on the market because I don't like dealing with those chalky sort of gritty bricks that you can get elsewhere. I like the soft and chewy covered in 100% real chocolate flavor that you get from Bill Bars. And now you can get the best of both worlds when it comes to the two delicious and healthy. And Built Bar is going to give you so much extra fuel and so many additional flavors as well. So it look, a lot of people are passionate about their favorite flavors. Mine is mint brownie. Let me know what yours is as well. But look, you can tell Santa to throw those Built Bars in your stockings. They're a perfect stocking stuffer. And you can even dip a nice chocolate, let's say a salted caramel Built Bar in a nice cup a hot cocoa if you want and feel no guilt about it because you get to enjoy those holiday desserts while enjoying your Built Bars as well. So you can check out the marshmallowy treats around the holidays as well with the Built Puff Bars, or you could stick with the basic protein bars, the standard protein bars like Built Bar. Whatever it is that you like, you're going to find it over at Built.com. Make sure you use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 to get 15% off of your order at Built.com. Let's get it, Houdet Nation. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked On Saints, taking a look at the good performances that the New Orleans Saints are going to need to repeat up against the Dallas Cowboys if they want to find a way to win. Now, two of these performances are on the defensive side, but we do have one of them on the offensive side. And I want to start there because this is a guy that gets usually a lot of sort of grief uh, from New Orleans Saints fans and New Orleans Saints media, but we should also celebrate him when he performs well. Cesar Ruiz. Cesar Ruiz had a nice game up against the Buffalo Bills, particularly in pass protection. Um, no sacks allowed, according to several metric sites, including Pro Football Focus, Sports Radar, Sports Info Solutions. No pressures given up, or at least no pressures credited to the young right guard as well. And no missed assignments. You didn't see anything like what you saw up against the Philadelphia Eagles, which I still don't think was necessarily Ruiz's fault. That was whoever was setting up the protections fault. But hey, didn't see it in this game, and that is good news. So I like all of that. He still struggled, though, in the run game, so you want to see him improve a bit there. Ed Oliver getting the best of him a couple of times for a couple of big defensive stops. But hey, when you can keep him from getting to the quarterback, I'm fine with that. And you know, we also know that the Saints didn't have the best 
running backs there they could create for themselves either in that uh, in that game and Tony Jones Jr. and Ty Montgomery. This week, a little bit of a different story with Mark Ingram. You get Cesar Ruiz's top performance maybe of the season here up against Buffalo in terms of the passing uh, grade that he was given and the, the way that he graded out as a pass blocker. Get him a little bit up there, you know, boost a little bit up in the run game and the run blocking game with Mark Ingram behind you. And I think that's a really, really good situation for them, especially in a game where Eric McCoy, the center, struggled. It was good to have that nice, solid interior next to him, uh, which was really pleasing to see. Um, Another good performance was Carl Granderson. I've given Carl Granderson a lot, a lot of grief in the past, but focusing on the field here, three pressures, one sack, two tackles for a loss in this one, consistent wins against the Buffalo offensive line in the first half. Remember, this defense was gassed in the second half and the pass rush kind of fell off. Carl Granderson was a part of that, but still had some impact plays in the second half. So I don't want to take that away from him fully. Um, Very active in this game. I had two defensive stops. Oh, sorry. Very active in the run game. So two defensive stops in this one, including two tackles for a loss. Like we mentioned, he was very, very um, adept at getting into the backfield, had a nice spin move on the interior at one point that was really nice when they had Caden Ellis or Quan Alexander rushing from the edge spot. They ended up shifting him to the interior and had some nice interior pressure there as well immediately on Josh Allen. Remember that interior pressure is really, really important. If Carl Granderson's able to get some pressure on the outside with his with his sort of speed rush ability, which is kind of new to the New Orleans Saints. They don't have a lot of speed rushers. Guys like Marcus Davenport, Tano Passigno, uh, uh, Peyton Turner, and of course, Cam Jordan, they're all bull rush speed to power type guys. That's what they do. Carl Granderson's built a little bit differently. He's more of that speed rusher. So it's nice to see that sort of change of pace on the field for the Saints uh, all of a sudden. So he's getting a lot of play here. He did have some issues. He had three missed tackles and then had some moments where he kind of froze up on the field, some moments of like mental processing, hesitation and things like that. But hey, look, this was the second most career snaps he's ever played. Right, the first came up against the the uh, the the Carolina Panthers in Week Two. That was 45 snaps, and this one he played 44. So you give him a little bit of a pass for those. Once he gets to seeing things a little bit more and more often, and gets into rhythm there, then hey, who knows with this guy? But he he showed a lot up against the Buffalo Bills, and the Saints are going to need that performance again going up against the Dallas Cowboys because they're going to need to get after Dak and they're going to have to make him uncomfortable, especially if he's getting all these weapons back and Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb and so on and so forth and Ezekiel Elliott's going to be there and all this stuff. You're going to need that pass rush to be there and Carl Granderson is going to have to be a big part of that. If Marcus Davenport, Peyton Turner, and Tonal Pass and you aren't going to be able to get out on the field, Granderson's going to have a big role. So you definitely want to see him repeat there. So that's why that's important. Cesar Ruiz is, is important because you have a new quarterback that's stepping in there. And you might not have your two tackles again, right? So the the more solid your interior offensive line can be, the better, uh, especially when you have a quarterback getting his first start of the season, as we expect to happen with Taysom Hill. Yes, he had four starts last year, but he hasn't started since that Philly game last year, right? So you definitely want to protect him as best as you can and give him sort of the best opportunity ahead of him as possible. Um, back over on the defensive side. Demario Davis. Demario Davis had another fantastic game. He led the team with 10 total tackles. He also had um, uh, one tackle for a loss, three defensive stops, and he was targeted three times in coverage, allowed three catches, but for only 12 yards with a long of seven, he was outstanding. There was a fantastic play in which he was lined up over, kind of on the inside um, defensively, inside of Dawson Knox. Played the run first, which every linebacker always does. Played the run first. Once the ball was snapped and it was clearly a passing play, 
he just sprinted to the outside where Dawson Knox was headed in the flats as these other receivers were running clear out uh, moments and clear out routes. And Demario Davis was able to get right to him and stop him for what could have been a 10-yard gain turned into like a one or two-yard gain. I mean, the guy's incredible and he just sees everything developing on the field as it develops in a way that is so, so, so unique. So you want to see him repeat this performance going up against the Dallas Cowboys because they are able to really work horizontally just as much as they're able to work vertically. And a guy like Demario Davis, a guy like Quan Alexander, they're both very, very important to that and their ability to be able to play the flats and be able to get sideline to sideline. And the fact that Demario Davis is still doing this at 30 plus, 32 years old, however old he is, it's remarkable. It's incredible. And so I want to give him a shout out for it because he's playing extremely well, but also say the Saints need that play and they need to be able to make good on it too, right? Like when Demario Davis is out here playing like this, at this point in his career, don't waste those years. Don't waste that production. You got to be able to capitalize on it. So when the offense is getting those extra opportunities like the defense gave in the first half up against the Buffalo Bills, hopefully we'll see them start to cash in on them. But Demario Davis is a huge part of all that because he is the emotional leader for this team. He is the person that is creating everything that you see over on the field. He's getting players set up. He's the one that's making plays individually as well. He's making all the calls. He's endlessly remarkable. So take advantage of the fact that you have a guy like Demario Davis uh, on your side when it comes to this defense. Also give a quick shout out to Bradley Roby as well as Quan Alexander. They both had some plays where you know they let some players go, they let some players get behind them, played the run a little bit much, and then gave up big passes or big uh, big yardage at other points. But hey, they also both came up with the the only takeaways of the game for or the two big takeaways in the first half for the New Orleans Saints. And so I want to give them a shout out for uh, continuing to put the ball back in this offense's hands, which hopefully will start to bear more fruit with a change at quarterback moving forward, assuming Taysom Hill is healthy enough to play Thursday night up against the Dallas Cowboys. So the Saints will need those performances in order to be able to come out with a W Thursday night up against the Dallas Cowboys. And I need to know about your performances, particularly if you're a Spotify user. Spotify wrapped, it's December 1st, it's time. Share out on social media, let me know. Did I make your top podcast list? If I did, hit me up so that I can thank you for all of your support. And hey, everybody else that doesn't use Spotify, I thank you for your support as well. Uh, look, I love being able to do this show with you every single day, and tomorrow will be no exception. We have a fun and stacked day tomorrow. You're going to get two episodes for Thursday because we've got our crossover Thursday episode. It's going to be myself and Marcus Mosher of Locked on Cowboys bringing you everything you need to know about this matchup, very comprehensive setup between the two of us there. But I'm also going to give you an extra episode. It's going to be more like keys to victory and really focus in on the Saints only perspective of how they match up up against the uh, Dallas Cowboys. And we're going to be joined by Dave Mason of Bet Online. He's one of the odds makers there. He's going to tell us about the props for uh, Taysom Hill. Give us a little bit of fun to wrap up the week before we get to that Thursday night football matchup up against the Dallas Cowboys. So we'll have all that and more coming up for you tomorrow. As always, y'all, thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. For your second listen, go and check out Locked on Bets. Win yourself some money with your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. For everything you need around your New Orleans Saints in between every episode of Locked on Saints, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.